All right. Well, let's um, let's open in prayer. By the way, if um, for if you've been to, if you're at the first service, Kyle Crawls prayer today. If you listen to it, follows this. Well, not quite follows the pattern, but he he covers all of the points uh, of the Lord's prayer in a, in kind of a very concise manner. So if you go to second service. Try to pay attention to Kyle's prayer and how he does it. Um, most of them are going to be pretty obvious to you. Uh, there's one, the um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a little bit, um, I don't want to say it's not, I don't want to say hidden. That's not the word I want, but it's, um, it isn't quite as straightforward as, as Jesus would teach it. But it's in there, and so it, it's there. Um, so anyway, just uh, a thought, thinking about how to pray. Listen to Kyle's prayer today. does a nice job. Okay, so let's pray together here now. Oh, gracious God, our Father, we, um, we come to you um, with hopeful hearts in recognition that all that we are is, is a gift from you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would open our ears and our, that we would be able to hear, that you would open our eyes, that we could see the truth of your word. That you would guide us, Lord, that we might know how to best communicate, commune with you. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the faith we need to, to understand and to come to you. Um, for you are our only hope. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, be with us, that your presence would be here, that your spirit would guide us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so don't cheer, but uh, after today, there's only one more session in this quarter um, so then we'll, we'll finish up next week and that one by the way is a bonus week so I end up having to kind of restructure my the uh, thing sorry um, to uh, fill up that next week but last week we finished up on the index of give us this day our daily bread and as we looked into it we saw there were two elements there was an element of sustenance the the food bread um, but there was a spiritual element, Jesus being the true bread from heaven. And so, you know, during the, the, I'm sorry, during the sacrament of communion, we, um, Jesus taught that the bread represents his body that was broken for us, and that the wine, the juice, represents his blood, which was shed for us um, for the forgiveness of sins, all right? So the Jesus being the, the bread from heaven, um, so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are then called to accept all of Jesus, right? And so we kind of learn that through communion, but um, Jesus is calling us to, you read that passage and it sounds kind of gross, and it's like, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you're going to go, Ugh. but his point is that we are to accept all of him. And so that bread from heaven is accepting all of Jesus. And so that represents the spiritual component of <clears throat> give us this day our daily bread. And we look to um, at Jesus teaching that doing the will of God, when we do the will of God, that sustains us, that God gives us strength and nourishment uh, for our souls when we do his will. And we're doing the things he wants us to. So we get a satisfaction um, for our souls in uh, the strength to do the Lord's work so it doesn't become drudgery. 
<coughs> excuse me. And then finally we looked at that Jesus uses the term us, give us this day, uh, not give me this day. And that, that the provision of the Lord is meant to be shared. And so when we share in the bounty of provision, um, we're answering then the prayers of those others of the body who are in need. So those who are in need of food, when we share of our provision, their prayer gets answered. We're doing the will of God. It's a win-win for everybody. And it gets us in accord with God's will, right? So those things can come in the form of donations to the food pantry, um, you know, any kind of disaster relief, hurricanes, floods, whatever it may be, um, sending monetary gifts. So those are that we, we can pray, Lord, how do you want me to share in your provision? <clears throat> and then um, despite the spiritual implications of give us this day our daily bread, it does remain a plea for God's provision for our daily needs, right? The things we need. Um, clothing, shelter, reliable transportation, all of those kinds of things would fall into this category of give us this day. <coughs> Excuse me, I need to take a drink. <clears throat> I have a throg in my throat. Okay, um, so then we then began to look into the most important aspect of the Lord's Prayer, right? And that is, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, forgiveness of sins is at the very heart of our faith. This is why Jesus went to the cross and died, was to forgive us our sins. And so um, he died on a cross for all of humanity. This is a big deal. And we're able to stand before this mighty God that we've talked about. When we talk about the first part of this prayer, um, we're a we are able to stand before this mighty God because of the work of Jesus who makes us righteous, whose blood makes us holy, who allows us to be in the presence of God through the forgiveness of sin. So this is a big deal. Um, it's important. And Jesus said that if we refuse to forgive others, then God will not forgive us of our sins. We're going to talk about a little bit more today yet. So we should stand up and take notice to such, this, such profound truth, right? If Jesus says, hey, your salvation depends on your willingness to forgive, we need to pay attention. That's, that's kind of an important thing. Um, we're, we're instructed to forgive others as, as evidence of a changed heart, right? And that's what we talk about all the time. And that's what this, this prayer is about. It's about reflecting a changed heart, that you're allowing God to mold you, um, but to seek Him, right? And He says, seek and you will find. It, it's attainable. So we're looking for this changed heart and the evidence of forgiveness. Remember, the forgiveness of our sins is at the core of our faith. So then if we forgive others, and what's the one thing we write, undo, um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So we try to do the Father's will, it becomes our will, and so this is when we 
look at forgiveness of others, we're looking at, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so as a, in my human condition, I want to do the thing that God would do. And God forgives, therefore I forgive. And that's what God's looking for, changed hearts. And so, um, so before we get in a little bit deeper here, we're going to go into this a little bit more. Um, any questions before we dig in here? Um, as we kind of look into this, I want to first start out um, in Jeremiah, a short passage in Jeremiah. And so, just in case that you thought you really didn't need to be forgiven, all right, um, let's just put some truth on this subject, right? So if you, you know, for some reason think I'm okay, I do more good than I do bad, I'm, I'm all right, you know, we're going to look at what Jeremiah says here in verses 9 and 10. So Jeremiah says, well, through God, these are the words of God through Jeremiah, right? So God says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Think about that. And desperately wicked. This is you and me he's talking about. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So, you read that and you can say, Hallelujah, that Jesus died on the cross. Hallelujah. The human heart is deceitful and wicked. And God knows, by the way, what's in your heart. Without forgiveness, we're doomed, right? So we say hallelujah that Jesus came and Jesus died for us. And so if we add to this, then this uh, familiar passage, I don't need to look this up, but from Paul in Romans 3.23, right? We all know this. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. All right, so we're wicked. We have deceitful hearts. We've all sinned. It's kind of a bad place to start. But that's where we start. That's where we start. And it sounds bleak. And it is if, if we were left to our own devices. If it were not for our Lord Jesus. You know, thankfully, we have the work of Jesus that removes this from us and saves us. So forgiveness is a big thing. But for unbelievers... This is their condition. And so we know people who are unbelievers, but they're nice. You know, they give money to the Lions Club or their Lions Club members, and they, you know, they go do the fun run when they do the, um, you know, the bingo thing, and they drive from bar to bar, right, because they're raising money for uh, St. Jude or whatever. And they're good people, right? But no. Who are they? They have deceitful hearts, and they're wicked. And there's no hope. Even though they seem like guys, great people. That's their condition. It's woefully bad and without hope. And they don't even know it. And that's, that's, that's sad. So we could spend weeks and weeks um, digging into the issue of sin 
and how we engage in it and why we do it and how it defiles us. And that really isn't our focus, but um, so I'm going to kind of assume that we understand, at least at a basic level, that um, the sin is bad and we all do it. Right? That's our, we, it's sin is bad and we all do it. We're going to we'll kind of work from that. So we can sin against God and we can sin against each other. And most often Satan is at the core of all of that. All right? So that's kind of the given here. But even as born-again believers, we still sin. If we are in our human condition, we are going to sin. We are going to need forgiveness. So it's important that we understand God's perspective on forgiveness of sins because we need it every day. So when we look at this prayer and we come to this line, forgive us you know, uh, of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, it's important. And I really just want to kind of hammer that home, that this is really important. Um, so just kind of real quickly, just to, as a reminder of the kind of categories of sin, right? We have sins of commission where we, we do things we shouldn't. Um, those are like the overt sins. You know, you sin, you punch somebody in the face or, you know, foul language, gossip, lying. Those things that you commit, things that you actively and overtly do. <clears throat> but they can take on um, an attitude, right? You can have a sinful attitude, pride, hatred, um, coveting, lust. Those kinds of things are still sins of, of commission, things that you do. But then there's also sins of omission, things that we should be doing, but we're not. So there's all kinds of sins of omission as well. Um, we don't love well, or uh, we're not forgiving, or not giving our resources. You know, we're not sharing in the bounty. Um, we don't help others in need time to time. Lots of things could fall into this. Fear could fall into this category when we don't trust in the Lord, okay? So there's all kinds of things that can be sins of omission, things that we, we should do, but we do not, all right? So scripture leads us um, that we need to become aware of our sins, and we're told to examine ourselves and to confess our sin. Sometimes that's not enough, right? We, we examine ourselves and we just, don't know we've sinned, right? We didn't know what was wrong. We didn't know we should have shown this act of love or whatever it may be. Sometimes we don't know. And so the scripture says, well, sometimes you can't rely upon yourself and you need to call upon God and let God examine you and show you, um, make you aware of your sin. And so we find that... Um, in Psalm 139, in, uh, in verses 23 and 24. And this, is, I think, is a really important verse, or passage, there's two verses here. Um, so Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me, that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So this is a plea. Lord, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Search me. Show me. 
And so sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced this, I know I have, um, where you've had unconfessed sin, and maybe something happened 30 years ago. And all of a sudden, so you've not thought about it, and all of a sudden it comes to mind. Well, I see it as a spirit going, hey, you have this unconfessed sin in your heart. I'm going to remind you of it. I've searched your soul. It's there. And so those things happen, right? The Lord searches us, the Spirit searches us, and brings them to mind so that we can confess them and repent and, and cleanse ourselves. Because um, we already know, we've seen this already, that God knows already. He knows what's on our heart. He knows what our past is. He knows us. He knows everything. And so, um, he knows what's in our heart. He tells us in this Jeremiah passage that our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Um, but in this case, in this passage from Psalm, where we're praying, Lord, search me. Search me. We're actively asking God to bring those things to mind. Let me know what they are. Again, it may be things we don't even know. We may be harboring hate that we don't even realize we're doing. Or coveting. We don't even realize we're coveting. And so the Lord will bring those things to mind through His Spirit. But it's the notion of actively seeking God to make our sinful thoughts and desires made known to us, right? Those things that God calls, I know your secret motives, all right? They're secret to even us. We don't even know. And so God, bring that secret out to us so that we can see what's in our hearts. But like the psalmist, though, we really can't presume that we know our sins. We really can't. Um, sometimes we just cover them up with, well, that's the way I am. That's who I do. That's what I do. But that in itself could be just, a, just passing it off, right? It could be sinful, but we're, eh, that's the way I am. That's the way God made me. Yeah, that's what I do. As if somebody else is responsible. We accept our sinful behavior as being just part of who I am. But God would say otherwise. So we have to be careful that we don't just do that, that we don't accept sin. There are a lot of sins that we just accept, whether through culture or just that's the way I am. But without recognizing and confessing our sin, we can't repent, and we can't seek forgiveness. If we don't even confess it, we can't ask for forgiveness. We don't even know what it is. And so, but confession really is nothing more. It's not really complicated. It's just, it's just God, you're right. I agree with you. Um, what I did or what I said was wrong, and I'm sorry. So, but true confession is seeing our sin the way that God sees sin. He hates it. And so we should see our own sin the same way. We should hate it. We should want to be rid of it. And so in this regard then, um, it really is kind of inadequate to simply pray, forgive me my sins, this blanket thing. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, teach, he teaches us to pray, forgive me, forgive us my, of our sins, right? Forgive me my sins. But that blanket thing kind of misses the whole point. We do need to seek forgiveness of our sins, but 
the God would tell us to do this more specifically, not just blanketly. When we do it blanketly, we're more prone to just keep sinning. Because I know, I remember, um, I don't know if I shared this with you guys, now. I may have, it's a story that always resonates with me on this topic, of, of having friends when I was in school, high school, that were Catholic. And so on, we'd go out on Saturday night and they would go to Mass. And we, so we'd go to Mass, I'd go to Mass with them, and they'd do this confession thing because they knew they were going to be sinning. And so they just thought, well, we'll just get that out of the way right now. And so... But it didn't stop us from doing what we were going to do, and we'd do it again next week, right? So, but it was this general forgive me of my sins, not repenting and changing. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants those hearts to be changed. And so we, it's kind of like that, um, you know, I don't care what my sins are. Just forgive me. Be done already. Just forgive me already. I want. I want this. I want this. I want you to forgive me. I want to be able to go to heaven. So it doesn't matter what they are. Just forgive me. And so, but we can't come closer to God without seeking the repentance and seeking a changed heart. That's what God wants, right? That's what all this is about. In fact, you know, really, without confessing our own sin, we are just prone to more sin when we don't confess it particularly. And often, it just kind of snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. And so, we get this kind of, it's just part of what, who I am, it's what I do. And so, in a sense, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's just my nature. And then, we get out of control. Because we've accepted all of this sin without seriously asking for forgiveness and examining ourselves. So... Any, any questions so far, or comments, thoughts? Well, I think to understand uh, the notion of forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that's that past tense, right? Who, we forgive those who have sinned against us. We've already done it. We've already forgiven them. Now I'm asking God to forgive me. So it might be helpful to see what the Bible says about forgiveness. It is a big deal, right? So we're going to kind of blaze through this. There's a lot to cover. Um, and there's a lot of ink attributed to the, um, uh, the notion of sin, the subject, and so we really can only, we can only kind of scratch the surface. And, and, and again, we're not really, this class is not about um, sin, and, but it's about this prayer. But understanding what forgiveness means, we have this prayer that says, or this line of a prayer that says, forgive me as I forgive others. So we need to understand what the Bible says about forgiveness. And so I came across a thing, a guy kind of compiled by a guy by the name of Brent Reinhardt. He's done a nice job of, of encapsulating the subject kind of concisely, and I'm going to kind of rely upon that or lean on that somewhat um, loosely. But on your notes, you'll see um, that I've kind of put that there together. And because we're going to go through it kind of quick, I've, I've actually I put the scripture text on your notes so you don't have to go flipping through your Bibles, you know, constantly back and forth. And that is going to be from the New Living Translation. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> 
So the Bible, the biblical text is on your note sheet. Um, but anyway, it starts out, we're talking about forgiveness, starts out with the reality that we all are in need of forgiveness, right? And we know that. We looked at this. We had Romans 3.23 that points out we've all sinned, and we all fall short of God's glory. And then we have from a, uh, perhaps a, I'm sorry, a spiritual perspective, we are all born with a sin problem. We, we just have it. It's, it's there, right? Um, and Paul says at the end of Romans 7, that he says, In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. I want to, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So sin is just there. It, it just is. It's, it's like a law of nature, right? And in fact, Paul, in a lot of translations, um, the, Paul, the word is the law of sin. So most of your, a lot of your translations, you're going to see Paul saying in Romans that it's the law of sin. It just is. And if it's left unchecked, our sin problem would eternally separate us from God. And that's a really bad thing. We don't want that. So... Fortunately, though, for those who have accepted Jesus um, as their Savior, we have an answer. He is the only one who can free us from this eternal damnation brought on by sin. So without him, right, he, he's the, our avenue for forgiveness. Without him, we'd be lost forever. But he intervenes. The glory is, uh, he intervenes on our behalf. And offers us forgiveness. Tremendous gift. So point two then is that forgiving others is a prerequisite for our own forgiveness. In a verse we looked at last week, we find um, Jesus teaching about the importance for us to forgive. And God wants us to have a heart of forgiveness just as he does. Right. And so if you recall, Matthew offers this teaching from Jesus immediately. Um, this is immediately after Jesus gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer. We talked about this last time. So he gives them the Lord's Prayer, and this is the next thing he says to them in Matthew's version. And it's in Matthew 6, 14 to 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Great. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. <coughs> that seems rather problematic. <coughs> I think I want my sins forgiven. But this is a difficult verse to process, <clears throat> isn't it? I mean, this, um, we don't want to forgive people. We want them, we want the people that hurt us or to hurt people we love, we want them to pay. And the last thing we want to do is let them off the hook, right? It is so against our nature. We want to be mad, and we want them to suffer, and we want them to know we're mad. We don't want them off the hook. We don't want to forgive them. But God says, hey, um, you want me to let you off the hook for the stupid stuff you do. Why is it then that you won't let people off the hook for the stupid stuff they did? Why don't you extend the same grace to those around you 
that I give to you. So I go back to, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would act like God acts on earth in our human condition. And so God's saying in this, you need to show mercy because I show mercy. And God is ready and willing to forgive us, but he asks us to extend that same forgiveness to others first. God doesn't want us to harbor bitterness in our hearts. Um, he wants us to give that bitterness over to him, that we can let it go and allow him to heal us so that we can forgive, so that we have the ability and the heart to desire to forgive. So the next point then um, we look at is lack of forgiveness breaks our fellowship with God. A lack of forgiveness breaks our fellowship with God. And this is made clear um, where Jesus teaches about reconciliation in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 where he says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So Jesus makes clear that harboring bitterness in our heart is sin. And he pleads with us to actively kill that bitterness and seek reconciliation. Go and resolve the problem you've got first. Just like here, he says, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Go resolve that first until you have resolved this unforgiving heart. Um, we really can't be in a position of worship. That's what God's saying. Until you get rid of this bitterness, we can't be in worship together. It's just not right. So he says, go take care of that and then come and worship. So, again, we're kind of moving through this pretty quick. Um, as we move along, we're going to come to we owe others forgiveness even when they don't ask for it. We owe others forgiveness even when they don't ask for it. It's so looking at Matthew 18, 15, where he says, If another believer sins against you, Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Okay? And we see this played out uh, in church discipline, and there's more to this process of church discipline that we don't get into in the, in the issue of forgiveness. Um, but he says, hey, if somebody sins against you, go talk to them. Go privately. Don't gossip about them. Don't tell your neighbors. Don't tell your sister. Don't just go to them and get it resolved. Get reconciled. And then you're going to be in the right position um, to have them forgive their sin, right? So they ask God to forgive their sin. They are made right with God because you have done the right thing. And so we, we hold it against people when they don't apologize. We think they should. When we're wronged, um, we expect the wrongdoer to come forth. and They should know better. They should know they hurt me. 
They should have known that was stupid. They should have known I was going to react this way. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they don't. Maybe you don't even know that they've wronged you. Maybe they're not even aware that they hurt you. It wasn't their intention, but they did. So God says, hey, go talk to them. Bring it up to them. And then if they go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to, you know, I didn't bring, I didn't mean to bring, bring up those bad memories or whatever it may be, whatever the thing is, right? And they apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please don't forgive me. And so then they're made right. You're made right. It's great. So, saying I'm sorry is the right thing to do, right? Um, but the Bible doesn't place that requirement on forgiveness about saying I'm sorry. It doesn't say you have to say you're sorry, but it says forgive. And so, it's a heart issue. Okay, so, um, but God says you initiate this transaction. You go forth and you talk about it. If they, and they apologize um, and they recognize their sin, you've made the relationship right. Um, that sounds good, doesn't it? But that is so, so hard. We don't want to. We don't think we should have to. It's their fault. They did it. I don't want to go through that. We hear this all the time. I don't want to get in that. I don't want to open that can of worms. But yet, this is what we're called to do. You know, we just, this is one of those things. It just is so, in our human condition, it's just so hard because this is where we get mad at people. And this is where we get these little things that over the course of years, they keep grinding and grinding and grinding, right? And we remember these stupid little things that people do, and we forget that God tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. But yet we sure do. I mean, we got a laundry list of wrongs in our heads, right? You pick the person, I'll tell you a list of wrongs I got for them. This is so hard to do. But it's so, so very important that we need to get past how hard it is and do it. You initiate the conversation. You seek restoration. You help them see their sin and confess it. Which sin brings us to we forgive, or we owe forgiveness rather, to those who don't deserve it. We owe forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. Yeah. I'm not sure I like that one. Perhaps the most famous verse to testify this truth is um, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We want... God to send down a bolt of lightning and hit these guys in the head, knock Jesus off the cross, and he walks around raising his flag, right? We want that to happen. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the great sin they're committing. But forgive them. 
They don't deserve it, we don't think. You know, how does Judas Iscariot deserve forgiveness? He betrayed Jesus. Does he really know what he was doing? Well, I don't know. We can debate that. That's a big question. A lot of people have debated that. Um, I don't, my personal feeling is I don't think there's really any evidence that Judas was forgiven. I don't think Judas, I think Judas is in hell. But do you think Jesus would have said, don't forgive him? No, he's saying forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So the second kind of most famous verse on this subject is from Acts 7 um, with Stephen, right? And so it says in Acts 7, um, 59 and 60, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So Stephen knows this is the end. This is my life is done. And what's his very last act as a human? Fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. The very last thing he did, the very first martyr recorded in the scripture. He's being stoned. The very last thing he says is, don't hold this against them. Is that the last thing you'd think about? Or are you thinking, God, send down lightning? Right? God's ways are not our ways. Our human condition causes us to have all kinds of problems. And so we're constantly taught and, and trying to be molded in the scripture to have a heart like God. When we think about the enormity of these sins, right, of the crucifixion, of Stephen being stoned, it's hard for us to imagine having the capacity to forgive those sinners. But yeah, that's exactly what Jesus and Stephen do. Knowing they're going to die. These are the last things they say. That's how important it was to them. So when we have trouble reconciling forgiveness with um, the severity of sin someone commits against us, we should think of these biblical examples, right? And so... Um, well, there are, there's a lot of others of, of examples like this in the scripture. Um, Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers um, when they sold him into slavery. Um, we think that others are unworthy. They don't deserve to be forgiven. And we consider our own, I should say, until we consider our own position. When we think they're not worthy, look at yourself. Are you worthy? What makes you so much different that you deserve Christ's forgiveness, but you aren't willing to forgive somebody else? So God sees fit still to love us and forgive us. So kind of beyond um, extending forgiveness to those we don't think are worthy, we owe others then 
an unlimited amount of forgiveness. So man, I got to forgive him and I got to keep doing it? Yeah. So then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Oh no, not seven. But 70 times seven. That's a lot. So you think about people that you're engaged with often, your spouse, your children, your neighbors, whoever, maybe your coworkers. And you go, I gotta keep forgiving them. Yeah. Because we're all sinners and our hearts are wicked. And we're gonna keep sinning. And we're gonna keep sinning against each other and we've gotta keep forgiving each other. And we should keep no record of those wrongs. Jesus is clear that we don't get to say, that's the last straw. That's the last time I'm forgiving you. No more. You've earned it. You've, you've burned them all up. But yeah, that's what we do, don't we? We do this all the time. We, we, that's it. I'm done. Now, Sometimes that's the right thing to do. Oftentimes that's the right thing to do. You know, God gives us a power to discern. He says, hey, if you're in a relationship with somebody who's, you know, doing these things to try and lead you to sin or whatever it may be, you need to break it off. But we don't get to say this is the last straw. We don't get to withhold our forgiveness no matter how often or how bad the sins are. And so we look at this and we go, thank God he doesn't have a last straw. Now thank God God doesn't look down at me and say, hey Calhoun, you moron, that's it. Last one, you're done. I am so glad he doesn't do that. And our hearts are to be changed to be more like Jesus. So... You know, God gives us this power to reason, right, and, and to discern. We need to move away from relationships. I don't, want, I don't want you to get hung up on that because there are times when the right thing to do is to move along. So we have been given tools to make smart choices, really regarding uh, who we hang around with. Um, you know, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians that bad company corrupts good character, all right? And so there is a time where that bad company needs to be parted with. Don't, don't, don't want to destroy good character. Um, but then we see, too, that, that there are consequences for choosing not to forgive. And for, so when we choose not to forgive, it's a choice, right? Um, for an illustration, we can look to the text, immediate, the text immediately following the 70 times 7. Okay, so in that same, uh, it's a continuation of the parable um, of the unforgiving debtor. You would know this parable if we read the whole thing. <clears throat> but anyway, Jesus tells this parable of a king who had, uh, or a guy who owed a king millions of dollars. A lot, a lot of money, millions of dollars. And the king calls in the loan, right? But the guy says, Ah, uh, gosh, can't pay it, king. I'm sorry, Lord, I can't pay it. 
right? And so he gives the king a sob story. He owes the guy millions of dollars. He owes the king millions of dollars. The king says, pay up. And he says, oh, gosh, guy, I can't do it. Gives him a sob story. He says, Lord, I, I, will, I will pay you back. Uh, and so the king feels pity, right? And the king says, oh, God, I'm sorry. I, okay, I know it's a lot of money. I know, you're gonna, I know your heart's right. I know you're going to want to do it. Okay, fine. I will forgive you the debt. You don't owe it anymore. Well, it's a remarkable gift, right? Millions of dollars. I forgive you. You don't even have to pay it back. Okay, so this is where we pick up the story then. In at verse 32 of Matthew 18, Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Okay, so this is a story of a parable, as Jesus often tells, right, of how things are in the kingdom of heaven. God forgives you of this massive amount of debt and in return expects you to show mercy. And when you don't show that same mercy, God's got a problem. There's consequences for choosing not to forgive. So God takes this forgiveness stuff pretty seriously. And I want to point out really that twice in this parable, at the very beginning of the parable, um, Jesus emphasizes this the way God sees it. He starts out, starts the parable out with, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Okay, so that's the start of it. The kingdom of heaven is like this king, and there's the story, right? And then he finishes the story at the very end in verse 36. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you. He says, bank on it. It's going to happen. If you can't forgive... I won't forgive, says God. So, don't think God's serious about forgiveness, about our part in the forgiveness process. If we don't forgive others, there's real eternal consequences. Just think about the gravity of that. Okay, so... Um, it makes you want to evaluate your own heart, doesn't it? Um, so remember this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's Psalm 139. It's important. So it should be important to us that we should seek forgiveness, that we should seek to know where our hearts are wrong, where we have not forgiven. And this is part of this prayer, right? So this Psalm 139, as you're praying, would fit into this index. As we remember, we're hanging meat on our bones, our skeleton. This is where we would fall into that, where it would just come together. Forgiveness is needed, and today might be a good day pray Psalm 139 to ask God to show you where you have bitterness in your heart, where you have unforgiveness in your heart.
But Jesus provides really our ultimate um, example of practicing forgiveness, right? I mean, there's a multitude of examples, right? There's all kinds of stories of Jesus pouring miracles, and he heals somebody and says, you are healed, but he doesn't say you're healed, right? He says, what? Your sins are forgiven. And healing happens to come. Maybe physical healing. Maybe spiritual healing. Um, and he says then to the Samaritan woman right at the well, um, and he also says to the woman who was confronted with adultery, where he says, go and sin no more. You're forgiven, but go and sin no more. Remember, he's drawn on, this, on the ground, on the sand, with the, in front of the Pharisees who were wanting to stone her, the, the woman committed or found guilty of adultery. Um, but Jesus says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Confess and repent, and you get forgiveness. So Jesus is this model of forgiveness that we will never be able to achieve in our human condition. But that is what we strive toward, that we would have a heart to desire to forgive. Honestly. Not just because it's a requirement. Don't just go, it's kind of like, hey, forgive my sins and I forgive those who sin against me. Okay, next. That's kind of a legalistic approach. But we need to itemize those sins, our own sins and the things that people have sinned against us and forgive them. Okay. Yes? I think sometimes we, we want to and we can say the words but I also know from experience that it takes maybe months to move from yeah. here to here in, in your heart. Right. But you know God gives you the grace to know when it's finally hit your heart. <coughs> because you sense that that elephant got off your chest. Yeah. And that's a good point, Kay. And so when we know we're in that point of of conflict that then we can pray that no Lord show me how to forgive give me a heart to forgive I know that's your desire for me but right now Lord I just can't do it and I need your strength because you are wholly adequate and I am wholly inadequate to do this and so that becomes then in our prayer, and this word just falls into place. You know that He would show us how to have a heart of forgiveness, how to be more like Jesus, how to be, how to make heaven on earth through me. Mm-hmm. What other thoughts or comments do you have on this whole forgiveness thing? It is hard. I think it's. Forgiving, you have to, I think, uh, before you can really forgive and sincerely forgive, you have to lay down your pride. For me, when you're forgiving someone, you have to humble yourself, and it's kind of a form of humility. You don't want to 
admit that that you're wrong. So right. you have to lie down right. and cry before you can do anything right. without doing that. It, it just going to be word mouth service or just just going to emotions and but you know without laying your pride down it, it's going to be very hard and once you lay it down then you have to like okay it's a form of humility or submission unto somebody else because that's what the Lord right. wants you to do and right. I think it goes from one to having that desire to do it because since Christ is living in you do you have a desire to forgive whenever you've done something wrong and I think that's a good point, and because we don't want to say you won. In essence, what you're saying, Danny, is my pride gets in the way, and I don't want to say you won by forgiving you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pride is a big thing. Pride is a big sin, and, and it's hard. A lot of times, it takes a long time and kind of a long time of studying the Word of God to really understand the pride thing, right? Because we think, at a basic level, we think, well, shouldn't I be proud of what I do? Shouldn't I be proud of my work? Shouldn't I be proud of my family? Um, that's not the kind of pride that we're talking about here that Jesus and, uh, warns us about. It's this pride that I don't need the Lord, that I don't need God, that I can do this on my own. When, as Danny points out, we need to be humble. We need to accept this humility that I don't have what it takes. What are the other thoughts or comments? I think, too, there's another level of, the, of hardness with that. When, when you forgive somebody and they understand the infraction that happened, they understand why you felt that way, they, they take responsibility for what they did. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, it doesn't happen. Right. And so that's exponentially harder. Right, it is. Um, and, and you're very right, it is hard, because um, they don't want to admit either, right? And so... Uh, or you get the opposite. You get the other thing. It's like, well, I'm glad you figured that out. You know, I'm glad you. Yeah, I told you I was right. Look, I'm trying to do the right thing here, buddy. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to humble myself, and you're going to grind it in. So you get both sides of that, and um, which again, it, this is hard. I don't want to. I don't want to try to gloss this over. It's making it sound like it's easy. It is not. It is hard, but it's what the Lord wants us to do, what the Lord requires us to do. And so that's why we have to call to him to have the strength to do these things that are really hard. And there's a lot of ways it can go sideways. But, as we say, we turn those consequences over to the Lord. Come what may. Lord, my heart is I don't want to harbor this bitterness. I don't want to. There's going to be complications. There's going to be fallout from that. You're going to have to take it. I can't deal it. What else? Anybody do this well? Anybody doing what forgiveness well? I don't. It is hard. Um, okay, well, let's, um, let's close in prayer. Oh, our gracious God, our Father, 
<clears throat> we do desire to have a heart that reflects your will. In the ordinary human condition, it is just hard. So Lord, we just pray that you would mold us, that you would make us more like Jesus, that we would see the world as you see the world, and that we would be able to humble ourselves, that we would be able to shake loose this pride of, of just admitting I was wrong, or Lord, accepting the, that others have harmed us and that we would forgive them for harming us, that we would be free of the bitterness. Teach us. Give us the understanding and wisdom that we need to fulfill your desire. Father, we do confess this is difficult and we need your strength. And so Father, as we, as we part our fellowship today, we just pray that you would instill in us those sins that have remained unconfessed, that um, you would bring them forth to us, that you would search us and show us where we need to confess, where we need to repent, where we need to forgive. And by doing so, we bring glory to you. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.